Hi and welcome to the podcast, you're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Andy Matthews, who's a comedian, writer, all-round good guy, ex-engineer and interesting interlocutor. We spoke in the State Library of Victoria, um, huddled in a doorway. There's a moment where a small baby thinks we're a zoo exhibit and other than that, I think we did an uh, interesting podcast without much interruption. Thank you everyone who's upped their Patreon pledge. A couple of people have upped their pledges uh, and... I don't know, it's just a lovely thing. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, other than that, look me up on Twitter, at alliterative, or email me, alicerfraser at gmail.com. Send people to my Sydney Comedy Store show on the 24th of July, and keep listening. You're having tea with Alice. You just had Bigger a than itself. I had a hot chocolate. I don't often have a hot chocolate. But I, uh, I did on this case because it's cold outside and I've already had a coffee today and too many coffees. It's Make a bad you, thing. What do they do? What do it they, just what puts me on edge. Just like suddenly one coffee is great and you feel like you can take on the world and then two coffees and suddenly feels like all the world is out to get you. I don't do many drugs, so I don't know, I yeah, don't know, yeah, I don't yeah. know what that's like. See, but, I uh, don't do coffee. Yeah. I do do tea. And I, I feel like I can take on the world with tea, although I have been known to have too much tea. That's harder to do. It is harder to do. Yeah. Two litres, I think. That's a lot of tea. It's a lot of tea. What kind of tea are you into? Green tea mainly, Japanese green tea, but I'm wow. not too picky. I'm yeah. a little bit picky, but I'll, as with any drug addict, I'll take low quality if there's nothing else. <laughs> You'll go the Lipton. Yeah, but I'll sneer about it. At a it. pinch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Russian caravan guy, but like only oh, Twining's wow. Russian caravan. Interesting. The... To me, Russian caravan tastes like a Russian caravan. Not, not to me at all. Tastes a little bit horsey. No, like no, no. A bit, no, no, no. Bit no, like no. horse? No, no, no. No, no, you're wrong. No, you're mis- mistaking deliciousness for horse. I mean, I don't know that horse is not delicious. I know. It's true. Yeah, that expression, horse. so hungry I could eat a horse. Maybe they're just delicious. Maybe, but I mean, I, so it implies that they're not delicious, though. It does, yeah. You're so hungry. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm so hungry. And maybe we got the expression all wrong. Like, maybe it actually means I'm not particularly hungry. Maybe it's you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like, you know what I mean? Insofar as that saying doesn't work. It it only works if you say you can't eat your cake and have it too. (laughs) That's when it makes sense. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. How can you eat a cake you don't have? It doesn't work as a sentence. Eat your cake and have it too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You can't eat your cake and have it as well. But you can have your cake and eat it. Infuriating. Yeah, it's... uh, I assume grammar used to... Either it's a switchover or grammar didn't used to mean so much. <laughs> Language wasn't... They hadn't worked out what it was for yet. They were just mucking around. Well, spelling used to be more jazz and, and they didn't used to put spaces between words. Yeah. That's why you used to have to read it out loud. If you could read without moving your lips, you were considered, like, really weirdly super smart. Yeah. And it wasn't because people were really shit at reading in the past. It was because you used to... They used to just write words with no spaces in between. Right, and you would just make sense of the sounds when they came out of your mouth. Yeah, like, as you would if somebody does a hashtag that's way too long. You yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, have yeah, to yeah. sound it out with your mouth to figure out yeah. where the words are. Start and it. end. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. We're going back. In time. Yes. Through the medium Travel. of Travel. Which you normally think you try time travel through science, but mainly you not time so much through language. Well, it's kind of a thing. It's that you know, like uh, that 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 is you know the form of time travel and all these things that we 
that we're trying to do with, you know, uh, with science of like putting yourself in somebody's body or creating a virtual reality or all that sort of thing. They've all already been done by art. You can just read a book about a different time. We can just, you know, read a book about being a different person. Yeah. And now and science is just have trying to, to catch about up. Creating paradoxes that are going to destroy the universe. Yeah. Which is a bonus. Yeah. You know, like you don't have to worry about meeting yourself and ruining everything or killing Hitler and making a worse Hitler or. No, you can just ruin the franchise or something, you know, like in the Avengers universe. It still gets too complicated and then uh, doesn't work anymore. But then you just reboot it. You just reboot Comic books are very good for time travel, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. In fact, comic books wouldn't work without time travel because people are constantly changing the, uh, the origin stories and that sort of thing and they have to justify it through some kind of elaborate... Multiple dimension. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was the thing where science was an, innova- require- was an innovation required for art. Yeah. Yeah. You invented time travel just so that Wolverine could have mm-hmm. some time in Japan. Yeah. Exactly. I actually don't know enough about comic books to continue this conversation. Oh, do you not? No. No, I launched into it with the confidence of somebody who did. Because uh, you got the glasses of somebody I've got the who glasses. I've got the glasses. I've got the... Uh, it's probably the fashion sense of someone who might be, but I never was. I, would, I, I, I wanted to be... Like, I, when I was about, like, 18, I was like, oh, I wish I'd been into comic books. And I said this to another guy that I was at college with, and he'd been really into comic books. And he was like, why would you want that? No, it's a curse. It's awful. Well, and, I, I, think, yeah. I mean, I couldn't ever get into them, um, although I was sort of prime fodder for them. I was a very weird, left-out kid. Yeah. Um, and I read a lot of, like, stuff on the internet. I read a lot of stories. And, and for me, it was just a um, supply issue. A, I didn't have much money. Yep. And and yep. B, I um, read really fast. Yep. So I I would just chew my way through fantasy mm-hmm. series, mm-hmm. novels and novels and novels, mm-hmm. and you pick up a comic book, and if you're reading them at the pace at which they're put out, they're maybe five, six, yep. eight, twelve pages. Here's my problem with comic books: they don't know how to use italics at all. At all, you read any comic book, they are constantly italicizing the wrong words. Yes. In sentences, and it's infuriating. They speak with very strange emphasis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the emphasis is all over the place, and I don't know why that is. But I just, I like, I, the first time anyone ever gave me a comic book, I got about halfway through it, and I was like, I can't read this anymore. It's making me really angry. I'll tell you what I think, uh, and I do, I agree, absolutely. Um, what I think is that it's because the words... I don't know if this is true or not, so if yeah. uh, maybe Fosdyke, I think, listens to this, he can tell me. Um, I think the words are drawn in. They're written by the writer, yep. and then they're drawn in by the artist. So the yeah. artist draws them in a way that looks good. The lettering is done by the, the a, like a lettering is, person. is done by letterers, so yeah. they just do what looks good in a speech bubble, yeah. sort of composition-wise. And they didn't write it. They didn't write it. They don't know how it's meant to be delivered. Yeah. And I imagine very good ones might put in the emphasis in the right place, but... Uh, yeah, so this is, yeah, I, I, it's like uh, we used to have this woman who lived upstairs from us. I used to live in a really weird old house. Mm-hmm. It was owned by my grandmother who was mm-hmm. a Holocaust survivor and a really soft touch. <laughs> like she was really um, just any sob story and she would just right. let people so live there yeah. for very little rent. Open and, house. You know, like one guy lived there and did the gardening and didn't pay rent at all. Like just stuff like mm. that. Uh, and then he was my grandfather. Anyway, it's a <laughs> um, bad example. Bad, bad example. But this woman, Mrs. Sergi, was a schizophrenic lady. Um, I don't know. She was some Eastern European thing. As a kid, I didn't, I didn't really know what what brand of Eastern yeah. European she was. Yeah. 
she'd written a, a whole book, multiple books, novel-length books by hand. Wow. Um, but she couldn't write. She was illiterate. So they were just scribbles? Just drawing, very beautifully drawn non-letters. Just pages and that is and it fascinating. Looked, it looked like words until you looked at it. If you know what I mean. If it was laying on the on the table, yep, you would pass until yep. you actually picked it up and tried to engage with oh it. Oh my god! She used to put potatoes on her head as a kind of a yes. folk remedy yep. okay. to draw out bad. Um, she knew bad. she was mad. Yeah. So she just thought that's an interesting thing. The people who know that they're mad. I always wonder, like with people who are mad, how many of them know that they're mad. Because that must be a very strange thing to exist in, right? The, the awareness that your own awareness of things isn't yeah, it's valid. You're yeah. like, you just have to... Do you question everything? Because that would be exhausting. Or do you just go along with it and hope that you're right some of the time? See, it seems like the ones who go along with it actually tend to be the happier ones. So you're just having a normal conversation with someone and then they say something like, I'm a Scientologist, and you, ugh. You know, you just come up against, you come up against these areas of madness, but because yeah. they don't think they're mad, yeah. the area becomes self-contained. I think it's actually the people who are like, wait a minute, am I mad? Yeah. Who then tear themselves to pieces and become right. completely non-functional. Right, because, because the, surely the, thing, the, the one thing of madness is not being able to tell. So like, I was aware of what's, what's real and what isn't. So, like, as soon as you're aware that you don't have the capacity in some situations to tell, maybe you just question everything and it becomes like, well, maybe I'm always dreaming. Yeah. Maybe none of this is real. Whereas if you're just a normal, highly functioning mm. taxi driver who's certain that the government is watching him, yeah. as are some taxi drivers who have met, <laughs> then you're fine until someone steps into your area of madness. Yeah. And I think everyone has some area of madness. Yeah, and you seem to get to it so quickly with taxi drivers as well. I don't know yeah. what it is, but that... The number of times that a conversation that I've had with a taxi driver has turned to the issue of immigration so quickly. So quickly. So, like, oh. it, it's like a land speed record kind of, I don't know how they do it. The, the transition speed is incredible. Well, I imagine it's because they feel like they're having one conversation that goes through 18 right. different people. Yeah. And so they're, like, trying to get the, the initial phase that you're engaged mm-hmm. in is, like, mm-hmm. who are you, who am I? Yeah. They're not interested in that. They want to continue having quite an in-depth yeah. conversation because they got cut off Yeah, before. that must be... Oh, my God, that's so true. <laughs> they're in, like, one seamless uh, conversation with a eternally shifting customer character. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, you know, if they're all crazy, then I guess we can't blame them because they never get to finish a, a conversation which you, must be infuriating you get that with some comedians as well who sort of say the same things have you ever had that where they'll tell the same stories and say the same things as though they're in a play repeating themselves yeah. no I don't that's not something I've noticed I'd like to Older go with comedian. you on this and I'd like to explore it yeah but uh, <laughs> no it's not a thing that you no no I'm going to have to know but I'd say it's, imp- it's transient road comics mainly and it's right. a similar thing where yeah. they're talking to a lot of different people but if mm-hmm. they're interested and engaged with one idea they kind of want to get back onto that yeah. idea as quickly as possible yeah. and sometimes it's a little too quickly comedians would be would be susceptible to that because once you've got an idea in your head for like a bit or something that you want to explore you do have a tendency to turn it over and over and over and try and look at it from different angles and keep bringing it up until you unpick the thing that yeah. is and other people are only useful insofar as they can engage with or illuminate an angle that you yes. haven't already 
Like they'll come up with a perfectly valid point, but someone else will have made it, or you will have thought of it mm. yourself. And you're like, no, 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 no. Just <laughs> completely dismiss what is actually quite a good insight on their behalf. Yeah. Like yeah. they've come to it in 20 minutes, and you've been thinking about it for four weeks, but you're done with that. You yeah. that was yesterday. Move past insight. it. Yeah. So you're like, come on, give deeper. me deeper. Let's go deeper. Different. Yeah. Like yeah, no, that's uh, infuriating though uh, to even think about. I do. You, I, I'm not sure. I'm not as conscious of of it as I used to be. But I was definitely all, for a very, very, very long time very wary of not repeating myself ever. Like telling the same story twice yeah. is not something. In fact, telling stories in general is not something that I do. Interesting. Um, Why is like that? Like stories about my life. I just don't find. I don't find it interesting, um, and that implies but I'm not quite sure a lot of self-esteem. I think. What do you like? Quite a lot. Yeah. Okay. That you are fine to have had an experience and not have it validated by another person. That may be it. You could regard it from completely the other angle, which is that I don't regard anything of my experiences as valid, so I don't even bother running it by people to uh, to see what they think. Because I think just my general thought about is the things that I do, generally I don't think it was being... I'm not sure. It's, 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 it's complicated. I, 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 don't, I don't know which side of that I come down on. Maybe and now both. It feels, see, now it feels like I'm having a conversation about my opinion of things, which I also don't uh, think don't is like interesting. Doing. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I am coming from. That you don't think your opinion on anything is interesting? Not... Not unless it's backed up by a really good joke. You know? <laughs> like, I think, for me, comedy and jokes is the kind of the currency by which you buy conversation or you buy engagement with people, you know? Like, if, if, if people are going to go to the effort of listening to you, you better have some, some laugh points in there. That's interesting. Uh, otherwise, you're wasting everybody's time. A small child has just walked up next to a glass door near our heads and is now reaching out to touch Alice's hand like she's a gorilla in a zoo. <laughs> oh, now, now he's engaging he's with He's really adorable. Very cute baby on the other side of glass. I wonder if he's made of poison or something, <laughs> which is why we can't touch him. That's not the reason you can't touch strange babies. No, there are other true. reasons. But, uh, but I mean, maybe if they were... Any baby. That's true, you It's can. one of the few great benefits of being a woman <laughs> in today's weird society is that I can touch you, yeah, babies. You, you can, you can connect with kids. I can babies. I can ask to take photos of babies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can just... Just take them home for the weekend, bring them back. People trust you. They do. I had a... Yeah. It's an interesting thing what you were saying about madness before. No. Have you ever gone mad? Have you ever been mad? No. In any variety? Not no. depressed? Not... No. Nah. No, I'm a very stable person. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Have you always been a very stable person? Yep. That, I Pretty... guess, is the nature of being a stable <laughs> person. Oh, your... no. <laughs> Yesterday I was completely wild, but today I'm super stable. Yeah, yeah. You've got me in a good five minutes where I'm really stable. <laughs> interesting um yeah no i i uh pretty on the level do you find pretty consistently makes it easy for you to achieve things uh oh that's a that's a that's an interesting question does it make it easy for me to achieve things i don't know i think i think i i sort of i sort of putter along and i get things done on a relatively consistent kind of uh 
rhythm, you know, of things of, of, get, of getting things done. But maybe you know, I, I, I certainly like there are some people who work in big frenzies and get a lot of stuff done all at once and that sort of thing. And the kind of person who would stay up all night working on a project, I don't, I can't do that. I can't like stay up late. Mm. But that being said, I will work. Like if I get into the zone on something, I will find it hard to stop. But I think that's just when I reach an intense peak of stability, <laughs> which I uh, get really into something and will work on it. Yeah, so what's brought you into comedy then? Other than this idea that you're not very interesting and need to get people's attention by making them laugh. I, don't, I didn't say get people's attention. I said that once I have people's attention, I want to... Uh, make it worth... Make it worth their while. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's probably not true I probably just do want people's attention I did drama in school I definitely want people's attention um, why so why am I doing comedy well I think that's about it you know but also the process of comedy is pretty fun mm. oh, in fact it's fun. just about the most fun that you can have right because you're just for me in the way that I do it the way I do my comedy is just sort of piecing things together you know until you produce a little unit of humour, right? So I'm just taking different ideas from around the place and you sort of fit them together like a little jigsaw puzzle until you've made your little thing, like yeah. a little piece of furniture or something, and then there it's done. You put that out there and you can show that to people and they'll show that they appreciate it by laughing, but it's just like a little... It's a, you know, it's a little game, a little puzzle. A little built... Yeah, a little, little built. built... little built thing. A little bit of joinery, uh, a little bit of fitting and turning, and that's... And I'm that kind of person in that I'm like a, a practical building things, trying to repair things. I did engineering and, you know, uh, I do like a carpentry and stuff at home. And then this is just like a version of that, but without manual, without a physical reality, but like just doing that, but with ideas. I, yeah, and I just like sort of chunking things. things together. Yeah. Which is an interesting, that's an interesting parallel because I'd say our comedy is relatively different, although we're both analytical. Yeah, yeah, I know there's some similarities there. Yeah. We did a time travel debate together, didn't we? We did, yeah, yes. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, you were excellent. Uh, you were, it, was, it, was a, it was a beautiful piece of debating. Uh, I have to cut debating. that out now. I can't make, I can't put that in my podcast. Oh, okay. So. No, I, I'm just self-conscious. <laughs> One person gave me a review that said it was self-indulgent, and I feel like if anyone compliments me on the podcast, I have the to po- cut it The out. podcast is self-indulgent. Mm. Which oh, I'm I mean, sorry, the nature you, of a podcast exactly. Is you're 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 in the wrong medium. If you're looking for non-self-indulgence, it's all like it's going to be us talking. Well, I think the opposite of self-indulgence is ratings indulgence, and then you get commercial radio. The ultimate indulgence of the. The, yeah. the artist's right. desire has right. nothing to do with it at all, and it's yeah. purely serving the perceived audience yeah. or the statistical audience. But hey, it's self-indulgent, but you're giving it away for free, right? So what's that? That's uh, you're you're indulging the listener as well. You're, Benevolent uh, self-indulgence, yeah. Mad- madness, arguably. You're the man <laughs> on the corner reading out the Bible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, but people do have to click on a link to download it. So you know, in that sense, you're one step removed. That's true. They have the choice. I mean, the time travel debate was marked for me by the presence of um, a dead monkey fetus in a mm. jar. Yeah, yeah, that does have to have the tendency to sort of overshadow a lot of other stuff that's going on in the room. Yeah, I, yeah. Put, I put up... If it was very much the, the elephant in the room. The monkey feet is in the room. Yeah. It was... The preserved 
elephant fetus in the room. Yeah. But it's a monkey. It wasn't even... This is the thing. It wasn't even pertinent to John Bennett's argument. No. But it took quite a lot of effort to get it from wherever it was, I assume, to... Like, he had a he had a green shopping bag for the monkey. Yeah, fetus. and he was, it was a debate about time tra- about the future and sort of time travel sort of stuff, and yet he didn't make a reference to 12 monkeys, which you would have thought would be at or least even one evolution, tenuous... really. Yeah. No, look, but I think that's fine. You know, it, uh, it was an... Obs- it was, we, 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 we needed... It was on to us to, to get on board, you know. He's an artist, and we've got to try and go along for the ride and an interpretation on that elephant monkey monkey fetus I always think of elephants and monkeys as vaguely related because they're all in um, the Buddhist fairy tales mm-hmm. jungle book yeah, yeah. I don't think they necessarily coexist uh, I think in India they definitely do because you've got the Indian elephant and the uh... true elephants are more sort of yeah and on the savannah you'd have the baboon yeah the African savannah you'd have you, you, you got your baboon I retract my possibly your mandrel then. They do fit together. Good. I thought it was a strange thing that they only fit together in my head. Monkeys, elephants, and turtles—all big, big players in the uh, Jataka stories. Really, yeah. turtles. See, turtles is a bit of a curveball. Uh, there's a there's a really good story that was my brother's favourite one that was called "The Value of True Friends," and the true friends in the story are a turtle, a lion, and an eagle, which seem wow. Yeah, not your, not your textbook buddies. And, and, and how did they overcome their, their differences? It sounds like it was a long-distance relationship. Had they started out together and then they'd gone their separate no, ways? No, it was a very deliberate friendship. It was the kind of friendship that, I, that slightly Aspie people make insofar as the, I think, the hawk or what, osprey, it was an osprey, decided yeah. that it was going to have kids I was going to settle down with its wife and have kids, and in right. order to have a stable family life, it needed to have good friends. So it went to the lion and said, would you like to be my good friend? And the lion said yes, and then it went to the turtle and said, would you like to... Yeah, and they so they agreed to be friends. Yep. And then it, they settled down to build a nest on an island in the middle of a lake, and in the lake is the turtle, and outside the lake is the lion. And some hunters come, and they decide that they will rest on the island in the middle of the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they decide that they want to smoke out the chicks and eat them. Yep. And then the lion and, yeah, the lion and the, and the turtle come and, and variously save the osprey and its babies and the hunters go off defeated. I think that's sending a very dangerous message to kids about how easy it is to make friends, especially with people <laughs> outside your peer group. And you I think, think they should have been more about more about uh, yeah, it's, you know the awkward process of you know approaching people at lunch and trying to you know uh, strike up a conversation or get involved in a uh, you know kick to kick football game that you weren't invited to be a part of yeah and then slowly over a very long period of time you shed some of the stigma and eventually maybe you've got some friends. I don't really know how to make friends because um, I had my twin brother. Yep. And then. So that was kind of my friendship group in primary school. And then yeah. high school, I was very quickly kicked out of all the groups that I was in because I was weird. Um, legitimately, yeah. I implored their choice. Weird in, in what way? Weird. I'm a very bookish, um, yep. uh, slight, uh, proud, a uh, little standoffish, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. socially awkward. Had to leave things early and couldn't go out much because I was looking after mum at home. Yep. Just a weird kid, right? Yeah. 
I, 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 was, I was very much like the, the kid in the library and reading my fantasy yep. novels. Yes, yeah. Reading my, my Terry Pratchett and my books about dragons. Yep. And, uh, and I did that pretty consistently up until at least grade nine. Yeah. And then I uh, sort of somehow, and I don't know why, but some of the, you know, the second tier cool group decided that they kind of liked me. Uh, and I, I still to this day don't know why. And, and I got to hang out with them a fair bit. I had one really good friend at school, but then he went away for a bit and then came back again. And, uh, but yeah, it was just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how I managed to get through without really ever feeling bullied or anything like that because I totally deserved to be. Yeah. Because well, I would walk around the school reading books. Yeah, I, like I just did much the same. Not looking where I was going, yep. walking into things just because I, you know, and I was reading in class and yep, getting in trouble for that. Yeah, un- yep. under the table in maths. And I... Uh, Man, I should probably list off trashy fantasy novels and oh, I dare say there's a bit of a Yeah, probably, but if you go too far outside... What, my main thing was just that I reread Terry Pratchett and The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy over and over and over again. That's not a bad comedy grounding. It was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And when, you know, and a new Terry Pratchett book would come out and I would get it straight away and then I would read it and then I would turn around and just read it straight away again. From the beginning to the from end. From the beginning yeah. to the end. I would read them and then I'd read them out loud to mum. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Did she appreciate she it? Loved or Vimes and the Night Watch. Those oh, were her so good. Ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were, that was what she was really into. Yeah, fantastic. And I he's was... so mannered and structured that it is actually quite a good lesson in comedy. I think so. He does the same kind of joke. My my friend Alastair read um, read that started reading a Terry Pratchett book a couple of years ago. And he said after re- reading that, that it was like reading my source code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, okay, I see what Andy's been doing this whole time. You see where he gets it yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, was, you know, yeah, just the, the guy for, for me for such a long time. And it's sad because I haven't read probably his last five books, and I will. Well, the, but, prob- uh, the problem is that they do become quite samey. And I think particularly as he started yes. to get more Alzheimer's-y. Yes. He reused at least at least reused structures. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. Uh, and but like there was there was, and there was a good period there, probably oh, about amazing. twenty books. Yeah. Where just everyone was just, just a gold. gem. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I liked him a lot. Terry Pratchett, Terry big Pratchett. fan. Anyway, so yeah, I came out of that and got some friends, uh, sort of eventually. But I haven't kept in touch with any of them because that's not something I'm good at. And I'm yeah. not good at keeping in touch with people. I just kind of. Tend well, to move I, on. I tend to make friends through projects. Yep. Because I don't know how to do it outside yep. of projects. Really. No, I, Unless I, you I have relate. that really passionate, sudden sort of infatuation with somebody. And you're like, oh, let's mm-hmm. hang out all the time, which yeah. happens very rarely. Yeah. Uh, normally, I'll just go and hang out backstage at comedy rooms. Great thing about a project is that you've always got something to talk about. Yeah. You know, and it's not just talking about yourself. And my habit of going between completely unfocused and maybe too focused, right. like daydreaming or on it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is more excusable in the context of a project because you can pretend you were thinking about the project. Yes. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. I was like, I was probably thinking about a project when you said that. So. <laughs> what would be best, what would be best for this podcast at this moment? What would be best for it? Yeah, I'm just talking about this mutual project that we're in. Oh yeah, the thing the that we're working on. How do we, uh, how do we take it to the next level? Hey, speaking of projects, I thought of a thing that I would like to talk about on the way here, which yes. is when I've worked out, when I think, I think I've worked out my first piece of advice 
my piece of first piece of advice that I've ever felt comfortable in telling people. Right? Okay. Just some all people, because surely the point of advice is that it's not universal. Well, this one's pretty universal. Okay, then it's a, a, maybe a precept or a, <laughs> a commandment. <laughs> um, oh, let's just call it advice. Let's call it advice. Let's call it a hint. Let's call it a life hack. Um, oh, a tip. A tip. A tip. There you go. No, um, but you know, because uh, it feels very to give to give advice is a, is a, is a it's a bit of an arrogant thing to do a lot of the time, right? Especially Which if it's unsolicited. Why I love doing it. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I love jokes that you, are framed as advice. I do this sort of dating tip series on Twitter great. that I love because it's so. Yep. 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 As, as, as soon as you put yourself in the position of being someone who has something intelligent to say, like mm. you're giving advice, that's already like one of your because you need a certain number of like established points for a lot of jokes, right? You need like your foundation or you need your your reference points. Who is this person and where is it going? Kind of thing. Yeah. And as soon as you are in the position of dispensing advice, you've already got that like status element, that thing of like, okay, I'm a person who thinks that they should be listened to. And mm-hmm. then you've already got so much that you can undercut, right? There's so much to play with. The with your comic potential. Yeah. yeah, the pom- pompos- pompos- pomposity. Pomposity? Mm. pomposity, I think, or the pomp. Mm. Call it pomp. Anyway, my first piece of advice is, because uh, a few people, because I've, uh, you know, I've been doing comedy for a little while and been doing some film projects and that sort of thing, and I've got a little bit of work writing for TV, and a lot of people... Not a lot of people. A couple of people have asked me things about how do you get into writing for TV and that kind of thing. And I think the only piece of advice that I think is necessarily useful in this case is that you need to finish a project. You need to finish something. Have something that's done. Mm. And then you've got something that other people can look at and that you can point other people to and that you can learn from. Yeah. And then that's, that's the first thing that you've got to do. You know, you've got to find whatever the smallest possible unit of the thing that you want to do is, and then you've got to do that, and then you've got to do the next biggest unit and the next biggest unit until somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, you're doing some good units." Yeah. And uh, it's very and then you can go from there. It probably is. Yeah. Orange. It's it's, it's kind yeah. of like a Lego thing. You just you've just got to get your like your one little block, your base block. You've got to get that done and finished, and then you've got to go. You've got I to get yourself a yeah. I think the thing that people who have good ideas underestimate is how many... Like, because it is actually a rare thing to have lots of good ideas, people assume that it's more rare than it is. Right. And so they don't realise that a a lot of people... Not that many. It's still rare. But a lot of people have good ideas. Not a lot of people execute them. Yeah, actually do things. Having good ideas is really not enough. Yeah. Yeah, and everything that's about, like, making yourself a better person or achieving your dreams or whatever it is, it's always about taking something that was just an idea and then doing yeah. it. The right? reason and you don't see that many great ideas around is not because a lot of people aren't having great ideas, <laughs> yeah, it's because a lot of totally. people aren't executing great yeah, ideas. Yeah, and when I, by the way, when I'm giving that piece of advice, that piece of unsolicited, that unsolicited tip, um, it's not me saying, hey, this is what I always do, by the way. It's not me saying, oh, I figured it out and I'm a huge success. It's just like, this is a thing that I would like to do myself, right? Like I'm giving advice from, as, as a person, almost giving it to themselves. It's of like, you know, that's what I'd tell myself if I would listen, for God's sakes. God damn it. Write it on the thing and put it on your mirror. 
Yeah, that's I, what uh, people do who seem to have their shit together. <laughs> have little <laughs> mottos and motivational things yeah, on their right. mirror. That's that's the secret of success. That's this. That's the one habit of highly successful people. Is uh, you write it down on a post-it note. You put it on the mirror. Yep. And that's that's it. That's all that is. I'm so mistrustful of organisational systems. Because my yeah. mum was super into them, and obviously none of them stuck because bits of her brain were shutting down. Right. Uh, like initiation and short-term memory functions, things like that that are yep. required to be organised, took an already relatively disorganised person and just kind of made her... It, it was impossible for her. But she used to buy these things, habits of effective people yeah. and, and, like, calendar things and organisational tools. And, yeah. And it's a very... It's very tempting, and I think it's a... It's probably a bit an evolutionary thing for all of us in that, you know, humans are tool users and we have a tendency to think, well, there's this problem, I'll just need the right tool and yeah. then I'll be able to solve the problem. I think the point is if you were an organ... I mean, or, organised I people create systems. Yep. But I don't think you can just stick a system on a disorganised person and have them integrate Totally, it. totally. It's... it's, it's uh, Organisation is an internal yeah, challenge. It has to be It's a state motivated. of mind. And maybe it is that you've just got sick of being disorganised and so you're ready to absorb a system. But I think that's much rarer than You've got to hit rock people. bottom. Yeah, <laughs> rock bottom are, of organisation. Yeah, you have yeah. to be walking into a room. State of maximum entropy, so just utter chaos. Where's my own head? Yeah. Like you have to be at that level before you're willing to have a seven-day calendar with colour-coded stickies. Yeah, I'm not at that point yet. I don't know if I ever will be. But you've got a systematic head. Uh, Give or take. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Um, Within a project I do, but, or like, hmm, yeah, not sure, not sure. Don't have some good perspective on that one about how my mind works in that regard because I'm, there must be some internal organisation that's going on but I haven't been generally, historically good at like planning. Planning ahead. I just sort of go from one thing to the next. One unit to the next unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're... Um, I don't know what the difference is. Strategic rather than tactical or tactical rather than strategic. Possibly. There's, I think those are different... Are you Myers-Briggsing me right now? No, no, no. I think those are different levels of, of uh, helicopter height as, as far as like... Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm quite good at solving a problem that's there, yeah. but I'm not very good at making a five-year plan. Yeah, I'd say that's me. So I, I just, I'll do the thing that's there and I'm quite good at figuring out the best and most efficient way or reorganising it or whatever, but I can't think about like that about my own life. Yep. Or from a grander perspective, what am I trying to achieve with this? Yeah. I just want to do this and do yeah. this as best it can, but I don't see it as part of a grander plan. I like I like the little little challenges that you can get done, you know, things like, like I really like doing the washing up. So I like it's the thing that you're there and you've got all right, you've got the stuff here, all right, you've just got to clean it and get it over there. And then when that's done, that's it's over done. and done with. And that's my kind of a you know, I can I can deal with that level of uh, getting things done. Yeah, I don't know, I find the washing up depressing because I see it as a sort of a Sisyphean task. <laughs> yeah, I'm like right. it's only gonna be needed to be yeah. done again. Yeah, yeah, why are we washing these? And they're just going to be dirty again tomorrow. Now that I'm organising my own place here in Melbourne, for example, I've got a, a quite a good, solid uh, drying rack for dishes next mm-hmm. to the... Mm-hmm. Dish I love a good drying rack. Next to the sink. Yeah. And I've just gone, because I get to choose, the drying rack is now where I keep my plates. 
Makes sense. I'm not going to have a drawer for my plates yeah. that I take out of the drawing <laughs> rack and put into the drawer and then take them out and then, you know... For yeah. me, that's a real sense of, like, joy and achievement because I've only got, like, three plates. Okay, well, yeah, that's... When you've only got three plates, If that's, I had 42 uh, plates, that would be a different... Oh, 42, yeah, that's you definitely pass the... You need a drawer uh, mm-hmm. uh, or a cupboard or... Yeah, or I reckon... What do you reckon the cut-off? I reckon the cut-off is probably... If you've got more than seven plates, you probably can't can't be doing that. You've got to... You've got to You've got to have somewhere the, else a to place put them to put them. Yeah. But I think having a kind of a stripped-down existence is yeah. quite good. Yeah, totally. We used to have this kind of... Um, I don't know what it was. It was like a fable. If I write a book of short stories, it will be one of the fables. There's a moral to it somewhere. Yeah. Which was that my mum used to knock over our mugs. We used to have the mugs uh, in a, a drawer or a cupboard that was about head height. Mm-hmm. You have to reach up to get a mug. Oh, yes. Uh but Standard mugs, mug procedure, that's where mugs go. Yeah, that's where mugs go. But her hands were relatively clumsy, so occasionally there would be a massive mug massacre where she'd accidentally, mm-hmm. four or five mugs would go the way of mm-hmm. all mugs dropped from a great height. Um, but because of this tendency, it was semi-regular, maybe once every three or four months we'd lose a, a stack of mugs. Yep. Because of Decimated. that, my dad would preemptively buy mugs whenever he thought of it like at Woolies or whatever if he saw a mug he would buy one or two mugs what that meant was the mug drawer got full the the mug shelf got full and the mugs would be stacked higher and higher thus exponentially increasing the likelihood of a mug massacre right so it was just this and they reached some sort of equilibrium we generally had about the same number of mugs what you needed in that scenario was a third location for the mug not the the drying rack not just the cupboard but then maybe extra mugs you know somewhere else for the reserve, for the, reserve the mug mugs. reserve. Dad should have kept the new mugs to himself until they were needed. Mm-hmm. Or just bought mugs as needed. As and when required. But he wanted to get on top of it. And that that itself... That's what you get for being organised. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, and I think I learned that's that lesson. lesson. That's the lesson. That's the lesson. Never be organised or plan. buy anything. Or put, put your crockery in a drawer. Yeah. Drawers. Drawers are underrated. Definitely a good option. Everything should be drawers. You think? I think so. I think everything should be those boxes that are like shelves. Shelves is what I want. Open oh. shelves. I don't like... I like having things so that I can see them. No, wrong. You want to put everything away. Yes, I want everything hidden. Uh, because it, I, I hate... The, I used to... Like, when I was in uh, uni, I lived in a room where I like, it didn't have a cupboard. I had like a stack of milk crates. Oh. And like all my clothes would be pushed in there. Yeah. Right? And just coming into the room and seeing that... Ah. Mass of stuff, that chaotic, disorganised thing. There, it was very unpleasant. So you like having a, a, yeah. a modesty veil over the yeah, chaos. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, all your stuff on display like that—it's not. It's it's it stress, actually stresses me out. Wow, your your vehemence has maybe persuaded me partly. <laughs> but I think I think maybe I, I I tend to like to see things to know where that where I have them. Mm, I think you'd find that if you took off all the doors in your uh, in your kitchen, I think you'd you. I'd be upset you, you'd by You'd be it. unhappy. Yeah, yeah. maybe. But, I mean, for me, it's more th- things like art supplies. I like to know how many paintbrushes I have. Otherwise, mm. I'll sort of be looking for a paintbrush and think, oh, I need to buy a new paintbrush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just no, that's perpetuating the mug cycle. Yeah, um, and I, I have in the past had to buy new things because I put stuff away in places where I can't find it yeah. anymore. So, you know, it, with a tendency to want to hide things but then also not a good sense of organisation. It is That's a bad combination My because things get lost. My brother's wife does labels. 
yeah. on the outside of things. So that's yeah. not a bad one. Yeah, that's that is good. She likes. But then you got to stick to the labels. You do. Right. So she has like, uh, you know, fitted sheets, flat sheets, uh, pillowcases, all oh, of that wow. stuff. Right. But if you put a flat sheet in the fitted sheet zone, woe betide you. Mm-hmm. That's like a, a mm-hmm. because how could you be that dumb? Because well, there's a clear right sign. There. It says it right there. It says it right there. Yeah. So that wouldn't work for me either because I I would just. <laughs> I, in my haste to get things hidden away, I wouldn't put them in the right place. Well, I'd it's just... only tolerable because she has an idiosyncratic idea of what things are fit together. That's interesting. Like, yeah. So yeah, she'll she's have got a, a sorting algorithm. Like, she's got yeah. a categorise taxonomy of uh, household. One thing is just like weather stuff, and it includes things mm. like hats and snow equipment yep. and swimming costumes. And just stuff when the weather is something. Yeah, okay. <laughs> other than completely normal. So it, it, You know how sometimes you've got a bit of weather on? Yeah. You know, when the weather strikes. When it's anything other than uh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's her draw. Yeah. People have a different uh, point of view of what fine is as well. True. I'm coming to terms with the Melbourne weather at the yeah. moment. Yeah, you're going to have to downgrade mind. your fine. You've come from Sydney, right? Come from Sydney. Sydney's so lovely. But everyone's saying it rains all the time here. But it that's, doesn't. No, I don't think that's necessarily it sort of true. Mizzles. It like it, it, but it's not in Sydney if it rains, it rains. Yeah, like I've been up there twice wet. recently and there have been absolute torrential yeah. downpours. Insane amounts. It sort of cripples your day if you, you can't really go anywhere mm. in that rain. And and But when the sun is out, Sydney is beautiful. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. So much more beautiful than Melbourne. Like, unmeasurably... Particularly the harbour and the cliffs. Yeah, everything about that is just a different... We're not... We shouldn't... I hope we're not trying to play that game down here in Melbourne. We've got to to get something else going for us. Well, you do. You've got the art scene, cafes. I think Sydney's got a bit of that going on as well. I know. I like Sydney. I, I didn't come to Melbourne because I think it's better than Sydney. Uh, I don't. I don't Good. believe in this competition element. I, look, I love Melbourne. I, I, th- I think Melbourne is great, and all my stuff is here, and all my connections and my scene here is. Mm. Um, so yeah. I think I'm one of the bit... nasty things about how generous the Melbourne scene is is that everyone gets paid like twenty bucks for a comedy night. If that. Than, rather than like just saving the money for the headliner. Right. Sure. I feel that I feel some level of annoyance at that because I spent many years working for free to, to get, get to the, to the point where now you've come here. Yeah. yeah. And now they're like, oh, everyone gets, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, five or ten or fifteen or twenty yep. bucks. Yeah. It's like we've just implemented socialism just after you made your first million. You're like, oh, do I really have to give this to the state? Yeah. yeah exactly. Oh. I worked. I worked under the hard boot of capitalism until I yeah. made. Yeah. You climbed that greasy pole of uh, Sydney comedy. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how everywhere has a different scene. Perth, people talk about like it's a mythical emerald city where you can go and everybody gets paid heaps. And then Sydney sounds like people pay the headliner and over here everyone gets paid a tiny bit or nothing. Yeah, which just means I have to do more interstate gigs. I'm going to go in, I'm in Perth in a couple of weeks and I did Adelaide. Adelaide was lovely. Lovely. Yeah, there's not a lot of rooms there, but I think Perth, there's all the miners. Mm. So there is money. Yeah. The, the, the economics of it. Money and boredom, because you have all those fly-in, fly-out workers. Yeah. Who just have... Right, no family, but no evenings week, off. No family, they have two weeks, and they just see everything they possibly can. Yeah. Which is pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to get to Perth at some stage, but um, I'm not 
also not a big traveller, so... You don't One like travelling? Not or? really, no. What don't you like about it? Well, you know, all my stuff's here. Ah. And I feel like, you know, a lot of the time travelling, there's a lot of waiting around and there's a lot of, you know, it's harder to get things done and I don't like that. You could take a book. Yeah, yeah, you, I could. But even I don't read that much anymore. I, uh, you know, used to read a lot. You said that really sadly. Yeah, it is quite sad. Sad given the fact that we're sitting in the State Library. Uh, yes, and, but uh, I can't see a single book from where I am. So. No, one of the terrible things about libraries, I've, I do travel relatively often and I'll often find a library to work in during the day. Fewer and fewer books. It's like that, uh, like Rollerball, the original Rollerball where he goes to the library and then it's all been reduced to a single data disc <laughs> and then it's been deleted by accident. <laughs> I haven't seen Rollerball. But, that look, that, that does sound tragic, tragic, tragic but I'm, I'm, it's okay. I'm fine with it. I'm happy for things to move on. Well, I mean, maybe it's just that you've absorbed enough and now you're doing output. Maybe you're in an that's, output That's possibly phase true. And I think, I think when I do get stuff done, there is, I, I've got a, like, a bit of a drive because I feel like I waste a lot of time. Like even I read a lot and I, got, I took a lot in while I was at high school and then I got to university and I feel like I was just coasting. I wasn't, I wasn't reading that much. I wasn't doing that much. I was just kind of wasting my time doing my course. And then did a couple of jobs for a while where I wasn't really doing what I want to do and now that I'm I've got sort of I'm in a position where I can get things done that I want to get done I really feel like I have to do it do now. that and I get very frustrated if I'm not actually you know working on a thing do you feel like you have an expiry and I don't know why I would stop no no, no I don't I don't see now that I'm doing this kind of stuff that I want to do I don't see why I would ever stop and I just hope I don't get lazy to the point where I don't care anymore, right? Or, you know, but I imagine if I didn't care anymore, then I would just stop. So I, I, my thing is I just want to keep wanting to do it and yeah. then I'll think I'll keep as well getting as better. Can. Yeah, well, I think as long as you want to do it, you will, you will have to get better, right? Presumably. Otherwise, you won't be getting back the sort of feedback from the world that, you, that is the reason that you want to do it. I think it's interesting. I think there's a combination of experience and energy. There's like two different axes. Yeah, right. Uh, and because like, there's a reason why people don't just keep getting better into their 80s and 90s. Yeah. People tend to tail off either because they've achieved what they want to achieve or because their energy diminishes. I think right. maintaining your energy is yeah. as important as getting the experience. Because to a certain, I don't know, it's like I used to do running and there were girls who would get really sick. Because until a certain point, the lighter you get, particularly as a girl, mm. the faster you are. Yep. So if you're not carrying hips and boobs, yep. uh, you're faster. Yep. And you get faster and faster and faster, and then you get stress fractures because you haven't been eating. Right. You know, there's this point at which that optimization mm-hmm. becomes a terrible, terrible, terrible failing. Right. And it's almost impossible to tell when that's going to happen. And there's probably a crossover at which... Your speed is increasing, but you're doing yourself damage. There's probably yeah. like an overlap there. Yeah, that's a dangerous area. Which is the most dangerous area, where you've 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 dropped your period, but you still feel really strong. Oh God! You're probably not eating enough, but you uh, still feel really strong. It's called the female athlete. Yeah, triad. it's like it's like when uh, you see Wiley Coyote run off a cliff, and he keeps running out into the air for a while. Yeah. And he doesn't fall down until he stops. Yeah. So I think there's there's that. There has to be. There's a point where, like, doing it so much, you lose your vigour for it. 
but to a certain extent, the more yeah. you do it, the better you get. I think it depends on maybe on what your motivations are and why you're doing it, right? And if you're doing it to be the best or to prove something, I, you know, I can imagine there being a, a point at which that maybe doesn't work for you anymore. But hopefully, because what I enjoy about it is, you know, sort of the process. Mm. Hopefully, that'll keep me going for a little bit longer. I don't know. We'll yeah, see. I, I'm. I'm. I like the process. I like working with people. That's something that yeah. I've decided I need to do collaboration more of because that was what got me into this whole thing in yeah. the first place. Just collaborating and, and improv and sketch yeah. writing, and it was only stand up was very much a second best thing for me. Sure. Um, just because I was alone and, and wanted to keep doing comedy. Well, you know, to go back to my my, my single units thing, that's the best thing about stand-up is that it's so easy yeah. to do a single unit of a joke, yeah. write a joke, say a joke, it's done, right? That's your thing. You've made a thing, and you yeah. don't need you need almost nothing else it's in order to make that happen. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a it's a it's a little single brick, and you can do those whenever you want. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, stand-up's great for that, and you learn so much by doing so many of those things. And Twitter. That's but true. I think Twitter is probably uh, deceptive in that it feels like the minimum viable product, but probably isn't quite. Yeah, you do good Twitter. I'm not on Twitter much these days. I I I, I come and go, but I'm definitely in a lull right now. I come and go. I tend to. When I'm best with it is when I use it as an output rather than an input device. Yeah. Uh, which seems selfish, but it's like I'll try and th- write three jokes a day and not really read it. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't read much. I, there's a couple of people that I read on Twitter, and you know. I, other I've, than that, I'll, I'll I'll scan occasionally, but really. I try to keep it down because otherwise it's it's not useful. I don't think it's good to have a sense of what other people are doing, but not. Occasionally, when I've got nothing else to do, I'll go and I'll check uh, Dan Gutterman. Oh you yeah, Dan? yeah, yeah, yeah. I just find his his ability to cram surprise into a short space Amazingly of words is talented. really great. Yeah, and yeah. that that I, I find is really good. The but, other yeah, person other worth that. following on Twitter is Maria Popova, who does kind of um, curation. She collects stories and poems and books oh, wow. and, and I'd say of the things she tweets I'd click through on about 80% of them really oh, interesting that st- is an stories. incredible strike yeah, rate huge huge and I don't know whether it's just that she's on my wavelength or that, that she's just very good at what she does but yeah. she's very good at what she does yeah okay great either way so yeah Twitter yeah Twitter guys get on the Twitter get on Twitter so generally yeah, you're not social media in not much no no, and uh, yeah, I like I, I I like to you know I'd like to get get on the buffer thing, and I can write write a series of tweets, you know, write like ten tweets or something, yeah, just to have produced something. But no, I'm not so much. It's a good discipline to to get a joke down to 160 characters, particularly for someone like me who tends to prolixity. <laughs> uh, it's nice to condense something. Yeah. That that's I think that feels like good discipline, and I hope yeah. I'm not just fooling myself. No, no, no. It's satisfying I think, I think to that's click a button and have something be in the world. Totally valid. Do you do you write out your for your stand up? Do you do you write a lot of your jokes out long form? Hmm. I would say I write my shows out, but the jokes tend to just be one reminder word. Yeah. Okay. Great. 
So... But there wouldn't be a part in the process where you did sit down and write that joke out. Maybe 40% of the time... Yeah? It'll be something that I write yeah. out. Either because I'm writing it for an SBS article and yep. then I just pull it from the SBS and stick it in my stand-up. Great. Or because I, I feel like it needs it's something that's like a rant or something that I feel the words need to be in the right order. Yeah. But normally it's just an idea that I have and I'll write... I'll think of it or I'll say it and then I'll write the one word reminder. Um, yeah, it, it, it's amazing how well it works either way and how some people do it one way and some people just get up with not much formed and then just work it out on stage. But it, does, it really does seem you can do both. Well, before Savage, I was sent out my script to a couple of friends and mm. I was like, could you have a look over this for me because I was quite worried about it. Yep. Um, and then I realised after I'd sent it that none of the funny bits right. were in it. Right, You know, it would just be like, it'd be like athletic story here or, you know, yeah. paper towels. So all of the jokes were just written, but everything in between the jokes right. was written out in full. Hey, so what do you think of my filler? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, which is just the most upsetting thing. Because you're like, I've just shown you the worst of what I have to offer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. It's, it's funny that those are the... That's the way it goes with a lot of shows, right? You've got jokes and then you... The thing that you... It's, it's really hard to work out. Is there all the bits in between? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and then making that worthwhile in some way. Getting from one point to the next point. Yeah. yeah I'm quite good at fudging that. Yeah. Making things seem like they fit together. Mm-hmm. The illusion they of... Uh, necessarily fit together. Yeah, totally. I, I, I've, I've done a bit of that. You've done a, done, bit, well, done a bit of that. I mean, the verse poem, why did you decide, like, the, the verse play, whatever it I wrote was? A, I wrote a bush poem, which was about a, a farmer who takes up playing StarCraft uh, on the internet and yeah, wins some world championship. But when you say you wrote a bush poem... Yeah. Was it 55 minutes long? No, no, no. It was, it was one section of my show. It was probably about eight minutes. Oh, okay, at good. At most. I was yeah. under the illusion, because I think I saw the eight-minute bit right. uh, at, at various points in the night. I was under the illusion that that was an extract from an entire hour show. No, 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 no. Don't, no. No, no. Uh, I, uh, I just, I just... My grandfather used to tell me this one particular bush poem a lot that I really, really uh, love. And it's so funny and engaging and just exciting and I thought I'd like to try and write something like that uh, and then I just sort of cast around until I found a topic that f felt like a fun one to put into that kind of a format Yeah. and then I liked the sort of structure and the yeah uh, the, the beats of the, of, the, of the original Bush poem and I basically did a parody song but a Bush poem uh, and you can get away with that kind of stuff yeah, well, because it's not like anyone's going to have read the original. Yeah, yeah. Necessarily, and accuse you of plagiarism. Also, satire is a very sweeping. Uh, yeah. Excuse. Yeah, and it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't even. There, there was no way in which it was plagiarism or anything like that. No. But I, 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 I stole the meter. Yeah. You know, just which is the amazing thing the about rhythm. bush poems, yeah. which is that that rhythm. Yeah. That's great. It was, like it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was, I, I actually remember coming up with the idea while I was running, going for a run, 
and then I went and I sat down and I wrote it and it came out really, really quickly. It was great. It was a very satisfying process. That's it. It's so rare that happens, but so pleasant when it does. Yeah, yeah. Where you're just like, this is easy. Actually, the whole of string theory was very easy to write, and which is crazy because it's probably the best thing I've done. It was my show last year at the Comedy Festival. But like it, the, all the bits of that, it was just that I had the right idea at the right time and then I sat down and wrote it. There was one story that was really hard, but the rest of it was, it was easy. Will you do it at Melbourne Fringe? No, no. I, I, so this is, this, was, this is last year's show and I'd done it at the Fringe the year before. So I did it, I've already done this at Melbourne Fringe and at uh, Comedy Festival. And then this year I did a different show, um, which was not nearly as well thought out or uh, anything. It was just a bunch of junk strung together. Um, which the previous one was also a bunch of junk strung together, but it was at least themed junk. Um, so yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to do string theory again. Will you do a new show for the? I'm not going to do fringe. You're not. Gonna I'm going to have fringe. at least I'm going to have one off. I've have been doing fringe and comedy festival for the last few years, and I, I I just I've got enough other projects going on at the moment that I think it's better if I just take a bit of time off and don't try and do another one. Yeah. Um, so I can focus on other stuff. So when you say you won't do Fringe, will you do Comedy Festival? I'll, I'll probably just... do Comedy Festival next year. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, can people find you online? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Stupid Old Andy, and you can st- check out uh, my website, Stupid Old Channel. Uh, and you know, if you want to come by our studio in Brunswick, Stupid Old Studios, that's there a as well. Self-deprecating theme. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a theme. Right. But that's not just me. That's me and some other people, the Stupid Old Studios and the channel. So, yeah, there's some good stuff there. And then there's just some stuff. That's... Oh, check out my podcast with Alistair Tremblay Birchels. Uh, it's called Two in the Think Tank. Two in the Think Tank. Two in the Think Tank. All right. Where we try and come up with five sketch ideas. That's pretty fun. It's, it's really fun. We haven't done one for a while, but we're going to do one real soon. All right. Keep tuned for that. Subscribe on iTunes. Rate it five stars. You're having tea with Alice.